Thank you very much, Nick. Good morning, everybody. It's so wonderful to see everybody here today. It's such a blessing to see all of you who are taking the time out to join us in person. And for all of you guys at home, thank you so much for joining us as well. A very Merry Christmas to you all. And I got a special shout out for Alyssa. Uh, if you remember Gladys Barry Jacqueline, our, our New South Wales friend. Oh, Gladys. Love Gladys. She's doing a great job. Uh, Gladys, she uh, is actually responsible and she was, gave news there was like 60,000 tests that were taken. And praise God, there were only eight positive cases out of 60,000 tests. The thing is, I wanted to shout out to Alyssa is because she's one of the people that's go, actually going, working through all those tests. So prayerfully, give Alyssa a bit of a round of applause. Thanks, Heath, for that, Alyssa. Um, who knows, man, maybe you might, for passing all those people, it's, it's done really well. So uh, thank you very much. Now, here's one of the things, though. One of the biggest dangers, and Nick made reference to this as he prayed, one of the biggest dangers of repetition, of doing something over and over and over again, is that it sometimes whatever it is that you're doing loses the impact that it once held to you. That When you become too familiar with it, it loses its, it loses its impact. Um, it, the, the value, or even the subjective value that, it, that you once held, held it in, diminishes. And the enthusiasm that you once partook of it, dies. It happens in careers. It happens in celebrations. It happens in relationships. And as we take a break from our busy lives today, unless you work at McDonald's, or if you work at a service station, or if you work at Chemist Warehouse. Our, our Chemist Warehouse is open today. Um, as we take a break of all our busyness of lives, we take this one day out where prayerfully we can be what I like to call reacquainted with Christmas. To be reacquainted about the celebration, but more importantly, to be reacquainted with the person that the celebration points to. So if you just bow your heads with me, let's pray as we look into the word together and see what God has to reveal to us about himself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love and for your goodness. We thank you so much that you became a man, that you adorned and veiled yourself in human flesh in order that we might not only be able to relate to you, but that you can relate to us. We thank you that you laid aside your glory, that you humbled yourself and became as a servant. We thank you so much for the grace that is bestowed upon us in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and I ask, Lord, that as we look into your word today, you might minister to our hearts, that you might revive our souls, that you might refresh our spirits, that you might reinvigorate and excite our faith as we look at this wonderful gift of Jesus Christ, whom you have bestowed upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you look around in society today, what you'll notice is that how Christmas has taken this massive commercial turn. It's this commercial appeal. And you'll notice the small and subtle changes that society is slowly trying to remove Christ from Christmas. You listen to the Christmas carols that are being sung, and you hear that the, the renditions that are portrayed today remove some of the greatest biblical truths about God's goodness and God's love bestowed upon us. One of the classic cases, one of my favorite groups is Boys to Men, because I'm an old man. But one of their, they do a rendition of Silent Night. And in that rendition of Silent Night, 
they completely discard the whole of the second verse. It's a befuddled mess. Well, it's not a mess because it sounds quite nice. But it's this befuddled mess of harmonies and, and changes of lyrics that completely removes the second verse. The second verse which says, Son of God loves pure light, radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. That whole verse is taken away in order to appeal and be more tolerable and acceptable by society. You see how the focus is now placed on a, on a jolly fat man in red and removed from the baby born in Bethlehem. You have the proclamation and the gospel of peace on earth and goodwill to all men taken or promoted at the expense of and at the sacrifice of Glory to God in the highest. So you see this change, this, this mindset. So for you and I, I want us today to be reacquainted with Christmas. And that means that you and I need to be reacquainted with Jesus and reacquainted with the acts of Jesus. And in that reacquaintance of those things, might come to an understanding of the value and the preciousness of what we have in Jesus Christ and to appreciate him and what we truly have in him. For example, our first point, to be reacquainted with Jesus. Now, a very big thank you to our brother Jono last week for sharing the word with us. It was a joy to be reacquainted with Jesus as he shared with us the great I Am statements from the Gospel of John. Those statements that he made that provide fulfillment and satisfaction as the bread of life. A statement that provides and gives enlightenment and revelation as the light of the world. A, a, a truth that grants safety and security as the door into the sheepfold. That adds assurance and hope as the resurrection and the life that bestows protection and provision as the good shepherd. And that brings direction and confidence as the way, the truth and the life as well as it causes fruitfulness and abundance as the true vine. You see, being reacquainted with Jesus means you and I to see him as how he presents himself, not what we want to see, to see him in his wholeness, to see him as in his fullness and not what I want to see, not what I want to receive from him. You see, Jesus is more than just a baby in a manger. Jesus is more than just a teacher of God's truth. Jesus is more than just a sacrifice on the cross for our sin. When you read through the scriptures, you see that he is the word who was with God and was God in John 1.1. You see how the word through whom all things were made, without whom nothing was made that has been made in John 1.3. You read how the word in whom is life, and that life is the light of all mankind, John 1.4. That he is the bringer of grace, John 1.17. The declaration of the Father, in John 1.18. That he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1.29. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, who is above all, who is before all, and through whom all things exist. He is the head of the body of the church, holding that place of supremacy, holding that place of preeminence in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through to 18. And the whole reason he could make such 
seemingly ridiculous statements as he did in the I am statement is because this is who he is. This is how he presents himself in word, in deed, in conduct, in act, in sacrifice, in everything that the Scriptures speak about the Lord Jesus Christ. He presents to us that He is the bread of life because according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus, God supplies all our need. Philippians 4.19 Because He is the light of the world, because God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1.5 that he is the door because we have been accepted in the beloved. The New King James, Ephesians 1.6, actually uses that phrase, that we have been accepted in the beloved. That he is the resurrection and the life because he has conquered death and broken gra- the grave's hold of uncertainty that, kept, that keeps people in fear. 1 Corinthians 15.55, death Where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? It has been won in the person of Jesus Christ. That he is the good shepherd because he will never leave us nor forsake us. He involves himself with us continually, even now. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it or will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. That he is the way, the truth, And the life, because he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the ending. He is the first and the last in Revelation 22, 13. He is the true vine, because he is a risen Savior from which all life flows. Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. Do you see, do you realize, do you understand the greatness of the person of Jesus Christ? That he was before all there was and he will remain until all has gone. The greatness of his position, the beauty of his majesty. If we understand even a little of the power and and the authority and, and the glory that Jesus holds, if we can catch but a glimpse of this, if we can get reacquainted with this, then what that will do to us is actually open our eyes to see the great extents, not only of his love, but the expression of that love in becoming a man. We need to see him in the wholeness of who he is, not what we want him to be. Once I said he is more than a baby, he is more than a great teacher, he is God incarnate. That in the fullness of Jesus, it helps us to appreciate what he was willing to do for you and for me which means we are not only to get reacquainted with Jesus, we must then also be reacquainted with Jesus' acts. You see, this is the step that Christmas acknowledges. This is the step that today recognizes. The step whereby the Creator that we have been reacquainting ourselves with went to the most extreme of lengths in order to fulfill a promise of hope that he gave to humanity in Genesis 3.15. Remember when he was condemning the serpent and he speaks to the one that will crush the power of the serpent and in the process have his heel being bit, being harmed. 
That way back in Genesis 3.15, this is the culmination of, this is the first step. This is the links that he was willing to go to. It's when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It is when he who dwells in eternity enters time. It is when the limitless chose to limit himself by adorning himself, by veiling himself in human flesh. And when God the Spirit became God incarnate, we read, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. I want to just read this one part again from verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. Remember when I was saying being reacquainted with Jesus? The, the bread of life? The door, the resurrection and the life, the light of the world, the way, the truth and the life. Remember looking at him who is above all and before all and through all things exists. The one who sustains everything. This is the one that we had read about in the first point, being reacquainted with Jesus. And we have this great God, this master, this Lord, this creator of all there is. He humbled himself by being born of a virgin by taking on the form of man. Have you ever noticed in your own life the lengths that you would go to for the people that you love? Have you ever noticed the things that you're willing to give up, the freedoms that you're willing to sacrifice, the interests that you're willing to pass on merely to see the smile on your child's face or the joy of your spouse's company or the, the acknowledgement of your parents' praise, or even, even greater than that, the recognition and acceptance of your teenager's happiness. The links that you're willing to go to for those that you love. When I look at this passage, I see in this passage in Philippians, the Lord Jesus entering into creation for no other reason but his love for you and I. That he laid aside, if you read it, it says that he, he didn't want to use it for his own advantage. The position, the power, the authority that he held, which he still held when he came to earth, but he was willing to lay aside all of that glory and the privileges that were associated as being in the Godhead in eternity. He was willing to lay that aside because he had, and within his heart, you and you and you. And his love for you caused him to lay that aside and be clothed in humanity. Such a thing is done for no other reason than his love for us. No other reason for his love for you and I. That is why in his love he did not consider equality with God as something to be used as his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He became a servant. He made himself in human likeness. And in that human likeness, in his love, he allowed his life to be threatened. 
even in the womb as his parents traveled all the way to Bethlehem on a road covered with bandits. In his love, he chose to be born in a manger surrounded by animals. In his love, he endured the taxing journey to Egypt to avoid death. In his love, he even let his life suffer an assassination attempt by Herod as Herod sought to destroy him while he was just an infant. In his love, all this took place in the first few years of his earthly existence, a life under threat. He who was born for no other reason but to die. He who was born for no other reason but to die for you and for your sin and for my sin. In his love, he did all this, all that he chose to partake of. This is the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness that Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 3.16. He says, whereby he appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken to glory. In his love, God became man. In his love, we recognize such an extent he is willing to go to for you and for me. You see, because of his love for you and I, he took the step of adorning himself in the flesh in order to provide, once again, an avenue where as sinful man and sinful woman, as fallen people, could have their sin forgiven and be made right with God. This and we sang it this morning, this is Christmas. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. This is what we need to be reacquainted with. This is what we need to familiarize ourselves with. No, 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 no. This is who we need to familiarize ourselves with. This is who we need to remember. The stirring of our hearts of a love so great that sacrificed so much before giving the ultimate sacrifice in his death for your sin and for my sin. This is Christmas. This is what we as the church must reacquaint ourselves with so that prayerfully we might value what and who we have. The gifts that has been bestowed upon us, the fact that we can call God Almighty Father. The fact that we are recognized by the Lord Himself. The fact, and I've always been amazed by this, where He says that I will be your God and you will be my people. That is what we need to be reacquainted with. That as we see the greatness of Jesus Christ, as we see the extent of his love for you and I and what he does, we might truly be appreciative of the salvation that has been granted to us as his children. <coughs> children! Sorry. I'm really sorry. That lost all the impact. I was, was going to get a big, massive point there, and I choked, literally. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. It's back to it, back to it. But that we might value it. Okay, the value of what one has is never truly appreciated fully until it's gone. 
This year, my father passed away. I love my dad dearly. This is going to be the first year that I'm going to ring back home to New Zealand and not hear my dad's voice. I'll still, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to my brother and, and make fun of him, and, and I'll, I'll verbally abuse my sister because that's just, love you, Yeah, that's just what I like to do. But I'm never going to hear my dad's cackle again. Okay? And that, that's, that just seems really, you don't really appreciate it until something is gone. And in March, even. The beginning of COVID-19 and all the restrictions, we enjoyed the novelty of meeting online, which wore thin really, really quickly. And, and this blessing of Hebrews 10.25, when it said, don't forsake the meeting of yourselves together, the assembly, don't forsake that. We never really truly appreciated that until that was taken away from us. And then once it was taken away from us, we got online fatigue pretty quickly. That's why it's such a blessing to see so many people here this morning. The joy of being interactive. But, but even with this, even this being able to join up that soon wears thin with us, doesn't it? As soon as it sort of starts to impose upon our life, we realize, ah, oh, well, I'll go to church next week. Or I'll just do it. And I'm not, I'm not making fun of everybody at home. Please, please. We use, we use it as an excuse. Oh, I can just watch it online tomorrow. I'll watch it online on the bus or whatever it might be, okay? Once again, I'm not bagging anybody online now, okay? Please. I just want to, make us, want to emphasize a point here is that it is a privilege that we have to gather here in person. A privilege that we take for granted until it's gone. Until it's taken away from us. And the thing is this, church, church is not just a hangout. Church is not just a chance to get together, have a coffee and catch up with people. No, church is the privilege and the blessing that's been entrusted to us where we get together as the body of believers and worship our God corporately to sing praises and to honor God and how we sing and how we fellowship and how we build up and, and, and bless one another, how we be in each other's company. That's what church is. Church isn't about me. Church isn't about you. Church is about Him. Church is about God and that we, as His people, worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's the privilege that we have been given, the value that it has. And with the way things are going now, especially when you look at what's happening in Victoria this itself will soon be deemed illegal. This privilege we have now to meet in person might soon be outlawed. So we need to value what we have. I mean, in all honesty, there is nothing better than corporate worship. There is nothing better to hear my sister Joyce's voice. And once again, I apologize, my sister, I was making fun of her outside while she was practicing singing. My daughter goes, Dad, Dad, don't, Dad. Yeah, so I'm really sorry, Joyce. You've got a beautiful voice, sister. Love you dearly. Thank you. What about the value of cell groups? The value of our cell groups. Once again, it's not just a catch-up in the middle of the week. It's not just a hangout. It's not a place to play games, although you can fellowship and play games. I'm not saying anything like that. But we, we, we sort of cast aside the value of, of the privilege it is to meet midweek and catch up with people, to, to, to invest into people's lives, to be around the Word together to pray for each other together, to invest into each other together, to worship our God together, to do life together, to study the Word together, to build each other up together. The value of a cell group is amazing. Once again, something we never really appreciate until it's gone, until we're forbidden of doing such things. 
things. So too is the view of Christmas. So too is this view of what we are celebrating today. That today is not about a day off work. Today is not about a day to get fat and eat, although I've been doing that terribly the last couple of days, well, the last couple of years, really. But, you know, it's not about getting to... Look, Christmas is not just about family. I mean, it's great. It's great to be able to catch up with family. The blessing of being a part of the family of God, though, one of the greatest gifts bestowed upon us. I look around here, and I can't see you at home, but I see people of all ages, of all nationalities, of all looks, I look and I see how God has brought us together. That is the privilege that has been bestowed upon us. And we look at what we have now in Christmas and and the only reason this has been brought about is because of the baby that has been born in the manger who lived a sinless life, who died a brutal death, who rose again from the dead so that any who believe in him might not perish but have life everlasting. See, we need to be reacquainted with Christmas because it's not about a day off work. It's not about food, although food is nice, but feeding upon the spiritual food of God's word. It's not about gifts, although it's wonderful to give and receive gifts, but the greatest gift that has been given to us and that we receive through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. See, it's not about the day. It's about the person the day points us to and who we must make the effort to reacquaint ourselves with. I'll repeat that to whom we must make the effort to reacquaint ourselves with. Relationships take effort. We can have a relationship. I can, I've, I've met Gavin. Gavin, hello, Gavin. I see, what's your lovely wife? And I met, I met, Gavin's, I met Gavin's son, Stephen. Lovely guys. That they, they love the game of rugby, so I, I like them even more now. But I met Gavin. Now, I've initiated a, a, a relationship, but at the moment, our relationship is purely superficial. For this relationship to become meaningful, and, and if he wants the relationship, okay? But <laughs> I'm a bit of stress that day. He, he won't be sitting there going, yeah, I'm not coming back next week, Joe. Okay? <laughs> but but for, the, for the relationship, that involves effort in me getting to know him and him getting to know me. That makes sense, doesn't it? Any relationship of value, any relationship of worth requires effort. So too with us reacquainting ourselves with the person of Jesus Christ. That means we need to take the time to spend with him. We need to take the time to get to know, okay, the first coming of Christ, what was that about? We need to take the time to look at the second coming. We need to get to ta- take the time to reacquaint ourselves with his heartbeat, with his goals, with his desires. That's, that's our part. That's what's involved in a relationship. That's what's involved in a relationship that we need to know that he is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is the maker of heaven on earth to whom all power and authority over heaven and earth is given, that he is the bright and morning star, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that he is the author and finisher of our faith, the captain of our salvation, that he is, as looked at last week, the bread of heaven, the light of the world, the door to the sheepfold, the resurrection and life, the good shepherd, the way, the truth and the life, that he is the true vine. How he chose to become a man. 
how he was born of a virgin in a manger, how he adorned himself in humanity so that we might come to know him as Lord and as Savior and cherish the privileged position we have been granted in Jesus Christ to be God's child. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we might be called the children of God. That's the privileged position that has been entrusted to us. The privilege to call Him Abba Father. As we read in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, as we always hear every year, and because of repetition we may be familiar with, for to us a child is born. Actually, I want to read that again. Make it personal. To me, a child is born. To me, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. As we look at Christmas, I pray that today you might reacquaint yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Who He is, how He presents Himself, not for what you want to see. Not what makes it palatable for yourself, not what accommodates what you want and what you desire, that you would reacquaint yourselves with what he has done and never diminish that. As I said, due to repetition, the, the magnitude of some things loses its value over time and it diminishes in our sight. Think about that. God became man. The eternal entered into the temporal. The divine placed himself in human flesh. And he did all of that for you and I, so that we might know who he is. And it was done so, so that we might truly value what we have in Christ. That's is No, this is Christmas. And I pray that in our reacquaintance with Christmas, more importantly, we might be reacquainted with Jesus, reacquainted with his acts, so that we might truly value and appreciate who we have in our relationship with him. I'm going to ask the music team to come up. We're going to close in one more song. I'm going to pray we're closing our song, and we're usually closing our, our regular Christmas song. And I thought I'd try something. If you want to, you don't have to, but just as a farewell, I'd like you to come walking past here. Just wave to the camera if you want. Make sure you, make sure you keep your, your meter and a half distance, social distancing. You can keep your mask on if you want, if you want to look inconspicuous. Um, but yeah, and just to wave hello as we close in our last festive song. I know it's, yeah, yeah. But anyway, let me pray, let me pray, and then I'll hand it over to the music team. I'll, I'll get out your way in a sec, Mel, I apologize. She's waiting there like this. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to celebrate this day today. 
We thank you so much for the privilege it is to know who you are, not how we desire to see you, but how you present yourself. I pray that you will stir within our hearts a hunger and a thirst for knowing you, to reacquaint ourselves with you, with your sheer greatness, with your majesty, with your glory. Please open our eyes to see the sheer magnificence of who you are, and then in turn understand and see the great extent you went to show that love to us, how you clothed yourself in human flesh, how you were born of a virgin in a manger in Bethlehem, how you suffered so much in life, but you had done so because of your love for us. And in those revelations, as we get reacquainted with such truths, may we truly appreciate the blessing that we have to be called your son and your daughter. Father, stir within our hearts just a thirst for the real Jesus, for the real God of the Bible, for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. May you transform us to the inside out to take our eyes off this world and place them upon yourself. So we ask you to dismiss us now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. 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 Merry Christmas, brothers and sisters. I'll hand it over to the music team. Here you go, Mel.